When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And welcome back to the Waterbally podcast. Um, my name is Anthony Watterson. I'm joined, as always, by Gary Clark. How are we doing, Gary? Very well, and very well. A new week. Um, obviously, apologies, we lost recording last week. I'm going to redo that one with Amy Clement uh, in the next couple of weeks. So apologies to all our listeners uh, in regards to that. But other than that, mate, I'm doing very well. Yeah, to be fair, like for 20, what, 28, 27 shows to lose one, I'm sure... Um... I'm sure we can be forgiven, but yeah, but t- today we're joined by a very special guest. Um, he is the author of the Football for Brains quiz book, um, which is supporting dementia, which I think is a really, really good kind of uh, thing to talk about. It's um, Stephen N. Stephen, how are we doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yourself? I'm all right, yeah, yeah. As you can tell, a little bit of a dodgy throat, but that's um, that's the fault of going to a gig on Sunday and um, singing to me heart's content, but it happens, doesn't it? I think I sound gravelly and I do like that. One. <laughs> well, we'll get straight into it, Stephen. And um, football for brains, and so obviously this is a, a quiz book that you that you that's uh, recently been released. Um, you want to talk us through sort of the origins of the book, and um, you know, was it like you know a lockdown idea or something like that? Yeah, I, I um, my my first book I wrote about twenty five years ago was um that was called um the ups and downs of Ipswich Town. So. Uh, 25 years ago there was probably more ups than downs and they were going through slightly better times than what they are at the moment but um yeah um and then sort of during lockdown i decided well you know like everyone else's sort of pen to paper that kind of thing um i just thought well you know i enjoy writing quizzes and bits and pieces and different things so i thought well i'll have a go at writing a quiz book so in my sort of spare time, I just sit there, write, pen a few questions, you know, look, look on different internet bits and pieces and get a few ideas and bits and pieces and, and just took it from there, really. And then sort of 
before I knew it, I was thinking, crikey, I've got a lot of questions. 740, <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I could keep going. And I thought, well, I better stop because it's going to cost me a fortune to get produced, if not. So um, then I thought, well, I'd always like writing um, articles as well on football and bits and pieces as well. So I thought, well, I'll just include a few articles in there as well. So just really things what I enjoy doing as well, like collecting football memorabilia and um, sort of doing sort of football programme reviews and things like that as well. And uh, like I say, there's um, an article on collecting memorabilia, which is done by myself. I, I called it the car boot kid. Um, and it was just me getting up at really um, obscure times back in the day, going around car boot sales and looking for football memorabilia, really. So, um, yeah. And then I've started doing that with um, with some with some kits. Um, I don't know if you can say I've got like a Brighton one on today, but I've started doing that in the last six months, and that's just been born out of just complete boredom, to be honest. Yeah, um, my mine as 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 well. You know, I, I just got a local car boot, sort of five or ten miles away from where I am, and I just used to go around. I, I mean, I haven't been around there since lockdown, but before then, you know, you you might go around there once a month and find something decent. Um, you know, there's there's bits and pieces on there, and then other bits and pieces in the book. I mean, to be fair, I'm 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 an Ipswich fan, but there's there's quite a bit in there about Norwich as well. So um, yeah, I mean, my, one of my friends, he he went to a couple of games through lockdown when there was only a couple of thousand people allowed into the ground. So I got his experiences on that, and sort of a few other questions. Um, one of my mates who I used to work with, he he used to be the programme editor at, at Norwich City as well. Um, and he he's written several, several books um, all about different subjects, you know, obviously Norwich and ups and downs of them kind of thing and other annuals that he does on a yearly basis as well. So it, it was just that. And then I, I thought, well, what can I do charity-wise? Um I lost my nan probably about 15, 20 years ago um, to um, dementia. And um, my wife lost her um, granddad a few a few years ago, um, probably about 10 or 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And her other nan passed away with um, dementia um, last year. So yeah. it's something close to my heart. And then I thought, well, what can I do? I had a look. Just really by chance, I came across the Schools Project, which is... Um, based at the University of East Anglia, probably an hour away from where we live. Um, just had a look at it. And they, they um, started probably 18 months ago, two years ago, a study um, looking into um, brain injuries and and stuff in, in sport. Um, and then they moved on to look at the study between links between headering of a ball and, and linking it to dementia. Yeah. Um, a, a Dr. Michael Gray, he, he's the sort of the, the lead on it. Um, they got quite a lot of ex-Premier League and footballers sort of um, between the age of 45 and sort of 55 to take part in it, doing different um, brain tests um, just to see how quickly the brain reacted. And, you know, after playing football for, you know, all the way through, um, they got park footballers, you know, going all the way up to the Premier League. You know, park footballers obviously head of the ball a lot more than what the Premier League players do. Um you know, in a non-league game, you know, you, you might header it 10 times in two or three minutes, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so that that's where it came from. I'll, I'll give a donation from the sale of each book. And, um, 
yeah, I mean, the book's probably been out about five or six months. Um, probably not the best, easiest time to get a book into the into the shops, but um, some of the clubs have been picking up on it. Um, Atkinson Stanley, um, they they had a few through their supporters supporters trust. Um, Spennymoor Town, who had the, a game a few weeks ago to do with the non-league and. Um, they weren't allowed to head of the ball in the first half of the game, and um, you know tried to limit it through the game as well. Um, they they took some copies off me as well, um, and you know it's in like your, your Waterstones locally, and and a few other sort of independent shops. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm just trying to get it out more, sort of getting towards Christmas and different things. So I'll probably. Um, Sold about four hundred copies so far, which is not too bad. Oh, class. No, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we make it four hundred and two, especially if it's spending more because it's only about fifteen minutes away from where I live. So <laughs> yeah. uh, if it's still there, I will more than more than likely get a copy. It, probably for a Christmas present for my dad because he absolutely loves football quiz books. Um, and I am going to put you on the spot before you go, but we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about something. That, we'll talk about something else first because I want to talk to you about. You, you've actually mentioned it, football. And, and linked with dimension is we're hearing a lot, you know, obviously, you know, Bobby Charlton and Dennis Law were, were the two more recent ones, but we're hearing like probably you know every couple of months where a really, you know, famous footballer, you know, a retired footballer is is has come out dimension. Now a lot of it is now kind of um associated with header and the ball. So long term, do you can you see in, you know, say five, six, seven years' time or wherever it is, that heading will get eradicated from football. And this is a question for you both, really. Stephen, we'll start with you first, with you being the guest, and then uh, we'll bring Gary in. Um, I'd, I'd probably say it's, it's, it's difficult. To, it's going to be difficult to eradicate it um, because how can you uh, stop a defender from doing what he does best, mm-hmm. defending a ball? Um, you know, it means that footballers are going to have to become a lot more skillful with their feet and the ball's going to be on the ground a lot more. But you know, if you've got a ball coming pinged in from wide on a from a corner or from a cross, um, and the goalkeeper's not going for it, the natural instinct of a defender is to try and clear the line and get rid of the ball and header it away. Um, you know, I've, I've I've seen some you know shocking head injuries and concussion injuries over the last couple of years, um, and, and I mean, probably about three or four weeks ago, one of um, someone who's actually. Uh, used to play for Ipswich Town, Terry Butcher. He he came out in the in the press and and said it. Yeah. I mean, he had a h- horrendous head injury when he played in the World Cup. I think it was against Sweden. I think when he was bandaged up, his his famous picture with blood all over his shirt and different things. And I mean, he used to get head injuries nearly every week playing for Ipswich and horrendous nosebleeds where you know he he nearly well he ended up in hospital because they couldn't stop some of them. So yeah. you know, and and that was just playing in a game um you know what goes on the training ground you know I, I don't know but um some um premier league managers have obviously said you know they're, they're trying to do what they can abide by the rules and one of the managers who actually lost his job today i don't think was too uh too hot on the their uh you know from from tottenham mm-hmm. he said well you know i'll do it but then out of the public eye, I could be doing it a lot more than what I should be. So, you know, but it's going to be very, very difficult to eradicate it. Um, I mean, youth football, they're trying now, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Gary, as well, again, you know, the same question, but what can you think 
that can be done. You know, obviously they are trying to stop it in the from the youth going forward. But then eventually, you know, a youth player is going to have to learn how to enter the ball if they don't, if it's not coming from the top down. So, um, you know, what do you think that could be, you know, an idea or or a, a performance related idea really? Well, I'm in agreement with Stephen. To be fair, I mean, it's going to be very hard to eradicate it. At the end of the day, it's natural instinct. Um, you know, you've played football for God knows how long, ahead of in the ball as a defender, a full back midfielder. Um, it is going to be hard to kind of take that away from the physical game. Even, you know, like the most basic of things, um, it's hard to eradicate it from the game. The only way I can really see it going forward is by taking it a lot more serious. I mean, we've brought in the concussion substitution, which is a good idea, really good idea. And I think Alan Shearer was one of the first people to actually talk about concussions and the, the concussion sub, which I think is a great idea. Um, if we wanted to, you know, try and eradicate it, I, I honestly believe it could only come from penalisation. So, I mean, as hard as it is to probably explain... The, the only way to incorporate it and try and incorporate it in the game while, while protecting players is either A, potential headgear, if it if it's, gets to the point where it becomes very serious and you know more and more cases become part of dementia, or option B, it becomes penalised. So for how many times you're headed the ball, you could potentially get a yellow card. For how many times you're headed the ball, you could potentially get, I don't want to say a red card, because I think that's very extreme, but that could well be an option um, going forward to protect players, even though it shouldn't really be penalisation because it's a serious, serious health risk. Um, and more and more players, like you said, and uh, you know, ex-players are, are coming down with a, a form of dementia. But it's going to... I mean, that's the decision for you know the big wigs to make, not me, but definitely there needs to be more looked in and not just health injuries uh head injuries in sport but also additional sports such as rugby you know we've seen head injuries in pro wrestling before you know um like it needs to be looked in in every aspect of sport and how they can do more to protect these athletes because at the end of the day uh, the majority of athletes are putting their bodies on the line every single day they go out there yeah. yeah, Stephen, a question for you. Do you think it's a lot more, you know, kind of noticed now than what it was, you know, back in, obviously, the, you know, one for one example, Bobby Charlton, one of the best players ever to kick a football, in my opinion. And back in, is it a concussion? They probably just, you know, got back up, bandaged it or whatever it was and played on. Whereas now, you know, as there's these concussion substitutes, you know, you've got to pass a test. Um, you know, I think it's a, a lot more, you know, noticeable now than what it was back then. And that's probably why, you know, all these ex-players are unfortunately, you know, con contract dementia and, um, you know, it, it being, you know, it, it basically at the end of the day, it's going to end their lives, isn't it? Cutting their lives short at least. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably say it, it probably does stem from, uh, obviously, the, the weight of the ball and the, and the weather conditions. Because, like, back in the 60s and 70s, once the ball got wet, I mean, they probably weren't changing it as much as it was when it was going out. They were probably playing with the same ball. It got heavy. You know, it was like, you know, really, really heavy when you were a header in it. Um, and, and, I mean, the the, the players that, that were getting it then... And the, you know, and even the players like in the eighties and nineties and, and stuff like that, they're they're you know now, they're still not really knowing that they've even got it now, you know. It, but it, it needs to be looked into for the future. That, that's that's how I really see it. I mean, some something has got to be done, but 
you know, at the end of the day, we all love football and, you know, we don't want to see it totally taken out of the game, but it's just going to have to be cut out in some way. Yeah. Do you have any, um, obviously, with the, with the book um, getting getting released and everything, is there any other, you know, ideas in the pipeline, you know, to support dementia? Um, well, I'm, I'm just sort of seeing how this one goes, really. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing other ideas with, with maybe... Um, if I can get some more ex-professionals on board with, with stuff and just doing um, some interviews and different things or, you know, family members and, and maybe doing a book more to do with the dementia side of it, maybe in, in, in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my local um, football club is Lowestoft, Lowestoft Town, and uh, Terry Butcher has actually just been made um, president of the, of the club. So I've, I've got to try and approach him and, you know, you know speak to him about something going maybe going forward because like I say probably about a month ago he came out and you know he was saying about the dementia and different things but you know he, he's still saying well you know maybe you know it's too it's too late for me but you know because I mean he doesn't obviously know at the moment whether he's got dementia or you know it could come on at, at some point in, in the future and like with all the other players as well. Yeah, I mean, Gary, we'll, we'll go on about that, about Terry Butcher, because obviously, you know, we've all seen that iconic photograph of him, you know, coming off the pitch, you know, blood stemming from his head, blood all over his England top. And it is quite an iconic picture, you know, like, you know, bleeding for your country, this and the other. But I mean, nowadays now, I mean, that's just not going to happen anymore, is it? Because a little cut, you know, it doesn't matter what on your head, you know, you have to go off and change your shirt and everything like that. But this was only, what, 20, 30 years ago at the most. So, you know, the changes since then have been quite, you know, been really, you know, dramatic, haven't they? 100%. Um, it's a totally different world now, isn't it? I mean, um, back in that day, you know, general concern isn't as big as it is now. The reason that it's, it's, it's bigger now is because we've seen more and more diseases come around over the last 15, 20 years where we can actually treat them but because of impact injuries 20 years prior unfortunately people like terry butcher who have suffered with that injury is like they're going to you know they're not going to benefit from the potential treatments that are that are out there at the moment um which is a shame um and you're right, it's an iconic photo of, you know, what happened a long, long time ago. But, you know, there's there's a sad story that goes with that. And, you know, he, he suffered from that. Um, we just, I think, personally, we just need to be able to do more with head injuries. Because head injuries, I think they've been very overlooked up until maybe the last year. Where it's starting mm-hmm. to get a little bit more recognition. And hopefully going forward, there is more and more recognition going forward in regards to that i mean it's a dementia is it's a horrible horrible disease and you know like there's there's no cure out there for this um which you know is is horrible it's it's just just horrible um and it's it's about maintaining like how you get how that person who would suffer in that way can maintain some form of lifestyle you know the start of it is definitely going to be you know reducing headers in football concussions you know putting more procedures in place unfortunately that wasn't around back in the days of terry butcher 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, Stephen, I know we're, we're very um, short for time with you because you, obviously you've got a, um, a job as well. Um, but I want to put you on the spot for um, you know myself and Gary are, are quite you know, where we like to think we're football knowledgeable. So <laughs> um, if you don't mind, can we possibly do a best two out of three of um, of your questions from the book if you can think of three off the top of your head? Um. Okay. It's not in the book, but um, I've got a good question for you to start off with. Um, who's the current boss of Spennymore Town? Oh, I know this one. I know this one. It's ex Ipswich and Sunderland midfielder Tommy Miller. Yeah. No yeah. way. Yeah, I, I, you know what? That's I'm slightly cheap with that because I did actually try and interview him a few weeks ago for another podcast I do. Um, so I knew he was in Spenny. Um, but yeah, I knew that one. Oh, he didn't. He didn't play very well for Sunderland, but no, I mean, he was Casper, didn't he? Because he went missing <laughs> every game. Uh, right, I've I've got another one off the top of my head. Um, you're probably not going to like this one either. Um, <laughs> which team? Did Sunderland lose to in the nineteen eighty five Milk Cup final? Oh, Gary, that's going back. That that's before my time and all. I wasn't even born. I was in the womb then. Uh, so neither was I. I know the answer. I don't actually know the answer. I, I, I'll be honest. I can give you a clue there, Gary. Okay. Oh, and hit me. Um. Hmm. They've. Got more than one point in the Premier League, but they haven't got more than three. Oh God, that's such an easy, easy clue. Isn't that Norwich? Hey, there we go. That's going way back. That like, and I had an absolute memory blank there. But that that's a good. Uh, that was a good clue. Like, man. Okay, I'm 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 gonna pick one at random now, just totally out of the book. Okay. Right. Okay. No, no worries. Um, this is number four hundred and thirty-four in the book. <laughs> Okay, this is just, just a random question, okay? Um, how many goals did Ian Dowie score for Northern Ireland? Was it A, 10, B, 11, C, 12, or D, 13? Go on, Gary, I'll let you go first. 12, or 13. I'm going to go 12. I was going to say 13, but I'm going to go 12. Yeah, I was thinking 13. The answer is 12. Oh, on. so Gary wins two. Well, I would say he wins 2-1, but you really had to, you know, kind of, you know, give him give him the answer to Norwich. <laughs> I got a hint. I did get a hint. Uh... Ah, just a hint. It was, well, it was only between Norwich and Newcastle, wasn't it? <laughs> well, Ian Dowie's going well back, though. Yeah, I mean, obviously as well, um, um, Stephen, obviously we'll try and get you on, on another part to talk a bit more about Ipswich Town, but just very quickly on them. Um, bad start of the season, you know, obviously um, signed quite a lot of players and, and were probably the favourites to go up. Um, you know, I know we all did a, a preview pod and I think all four of, of the guests we had were, were saying Ipswich would go up. But it hadn't quite happened, but they have started to hit a, a little bit of a run of form. So are you seeing a, a run for the playoffs, automatic promotion, or, or do you think it's going to be a season of, you know, trying to, you know, see how high you can get and then push on next year? Um, well, it, it, they have picked up recently, um, and then obviously they they uh, come a little bit unstuck at Plymouth on on uh, Saturday. But obviously that's that's no disgrace because Plymouth are playing quite well at the moment. 
Um, I don't know what the score is now. I think it was 1 1 a little while ago. It's, it is. It's 1 1, and Sunderland have yeah. just conceded as well, so it's 2 0 to Sheffield. This is a good well. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy with a point tonight, to be fair, because um, Wickham are obviously a, a, a strong side. Um, I think we've got Sunderland in a couple of weeks away, so that could be quite an interesting one. I mean, it, it's, it's the same kind of scenario as. Um, when Paul Hurst was in charge a few years ago, that obviously, how long do you give a manager to gel with the, the players that he's just brought in and totally stripping the team back to its bare bones and, and then adding 15 players and kind of being classed as the Man City of League One? I mean, that that's not a great, um, you know, not, not something great to have over your head until you start performing well and picking up loads of points. But It wasn't and, really a fair analogy, I don't think, as well, was it, you know? I don't think that was fair, you know, saying that there was Man City, but they weren't like signing, you know, players who were better than League One. They were signing good, honest League One players, really, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, when Paul Hurst was in charge before and when he got the sack, sort of after about 10 or 12 games, they'd they'd bought um, no one who was better than what they'd already got. They were signing League Two players when they were in the championship kind of thing and trying to, you know, pick up a bargain going forward and it, and it kind of backfired really but I mean hopefully this season with the players that they've got hopefully they're starting to gel now um, Macaulay Bond I mean he's, he's scoring a few goals I mean he's on loan from QPR I mean he could go back in January and then we could be stuck for a few goals I mean they've got James Norwood he's hardly played this season at all through you know not being fit or being out of favour um, Jackson he hasn't hardly played at all Um they got Burst and Selena back, who they had on loan a few a few um, years ago as well. Um, he he was at Man City at the start of his career, and then he played for Ipswich on on loan before he went to Swansea, and then played for a team in France where we've got him on loan. Um, yeah, I mean, th- defensively they're not too bad. They they've played you know three goalkeepers already this season, I think. So they're still still trying to find their best settled eleven really at the moment. Um, yeah. It's still a long season, though, isn't it? I mean, like we're, yeah. we're not even a quarter of the way through. This is, I, I think, this is only Sunderland's twelfth game tonight, and Ipswich is the same. So, I mean, it's, I think, it's exactly a quarter of the way through the season. So, it's still a hell of a long way to go. Um, but I think this is just me personally. After watching majority of League One this year, um, there's not many teams to be to be afraid of. Yeah, I think Rotherham will be will be the team who will run away with it. So they've got a lot of players that came down with them you know, the likes of Freddie the Dapo and Smith the striker so I think they'll be they'll probably run away with it but everyone else it's I think it's open season um, the Gary obviously you've watched uh, Bill League One with me and you know you're a Sun fan as well very quickly on this obviously because we're, we're running a little bit out of time with Stephen but um, do you think Ipswich will, will mount a, 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 a comeback to him in the second half of the season? I think anything can happen in League One, to be fair. Any team can beat any team on any given day. I mean, like, look at us. We got absolutely smashed off Rotherham, and I didn't see that result coming. And fair play to Rotherham. Like, I thought they were, you know, they deserved it. Um, and again, obviously, tonight we're going to beat 2-0 off Sheffield Wednesday. Like, I'm getting a bit concerned about the way we're conceding these goals now, um, from what I'm, what I'm hearing or reading, at least, right now. Um, but Ipswich have always had, like, you know, good prospects coming through the academy as well. So I'm imagining 
they're going to have more prospects come through the academy who will get a game. They did sign a lot of players, and you know having them gel in the team is going to take naturally longer than ten games. Um, do I see them going up? I still stand by that they will, but I really think it'll be in the playoffs, and I think it'll be getting in there just on a banana skin maybe or two. But you know the how. Teams haven't started great. A lot of teams haven't started great and then came back and mounted a serious challenge. Charlton did it last season. Um, it's possible. Anything's possible in League One. You know, any team can beat any team on any given day. And hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, Ipswich do again in the playoffs. Like, they're, they're a team of a good reputation. Yeah. 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 I mean, as long as they don't beat Sunderland, then I'm, I'm happy for wherever they finish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, um, Steve, just before we let you go as well, we do a regular thing on What a Ball Ache. Uh, we have our Baller and Ball Ache of the Week, which could be any sportsman who's had a very good week and any sportsman who's had a very bad week. We'll do ours at the end of the show because me and Gary are going to talk about uh, the recent managerial seconds and irons in the Premier League. Um, but very quickly from you, um, you baller first and then your ball ache second um so it doesn't have to be football related no it can be any sport okay any sport. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna say for the baller i'm gonna say josh butler for the cricket because mm-hmm. he's doing really well at the cricket at the moment and gonna really on fire in the cricket um <sighs> the other one's a bit more tough uh hmm Actually, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say a player. I'm gonna say the referee at the Leighton Orient game at the weekend because he actually blew up four minutes early. Oh, yeah, forgot to add any time on, didn't he? He didn't add any time on. <laughs> that is a major error. And then at the start of the second half, he played the last four minutes of the first half, and then they swapped over, which he shouldn't have done. So that's the one who's made the error of the week for that. That's certainly, you know, that, that'll take some beating that for uh, for Borley because that, that is a right idiotic thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it sums up the the refereeing in this country, to be honest, because uh, I don't think there's many good ones, you know, especially you've seen, you see the difference in, in League One. I mean, they're all just awful. I mean, we had, we had um, obviously, really with this, we had Darren Drysdale last week and he was absolutely horrendous. Now, Darren Drysdale obviously caused a stir last season for um, squaring up Alan Judge, didn't he, um, of Ipswich? Yeah, yeah, they had a uh, an altercation or a little bit of fisticuffs, I think. So, yeah, um, I, I, I must admit, I, I, watch, I tend to watch a lot more non-league football now than sort of league football. Yeah. And uh, the non-league scene is, is quite uh, interesting, um, even with my local side, Lowestoft, do you... You normally have to um, add on five minutes at the end for the um, the weekly punch up, so to speak, on the pitch, and <laughs> someone getting sent off, and and whatever that happens most weeks. So a lot of disciplinary problems in the in the non-league game at the moment, I think. Oh, spot on. Well, I know you're pressed for time, mate, so we'll let you go. Um, best of luck with the book. I hope it uh, sells an absolute shed load. And like I say, if I can catch one at Spennymoor, I'll have a, have a little drive down, have a look. But uh, we'll get you back on, hopefully in the future, to discuss a bit more of Ipswich Town and the origins of Ipswich Town. But I'd like to thank you um, so much for coming on. And I think it's great that you're doing, um, you know, especially towards dementia. I think it's absolutely massive. So thank you so much for coming on and best of luck with the book. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I mean, the, the book's available on eBay. Um, it's on there at four pound fifty. I've reduced that a little bit, and it's um, on there for two pound, two pound postage. 
Um, I just like to say as well, um, I did listen to the last podcast and the bit on there about the gambling and things like that as well. Um, and I just like to say it takes a lot to say what you said, and I, I was listening with great intent. Um, oh, thank you so much, mate. Yeah. Well. So best of luck, and you know, stay on the right side. Yeah, I really do appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it was a very difficult uh, thing to do, but from the back of it is. I think it's, it's it's come it's come a lot of good things and a lot of good things have been um, you know got a lot of messages about that so yeah I do appreciate that thank you so much okay thank you you, Cheers, you look after yourselves speak soon yeah thank you bye take care uh, in regards to that podcast as well and um, I've had some feedback in regards to it obviously like a couple of our friends and stuff have listened to it um, mm-hmm. so obviously people that I know and stuff and I think I, I saw um, on Instagram. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I've got so much going on at the moment, but there was uh, an Instagram uh, account which had listened to it and followed us and stuff, and I think they'd sent a message and said that the podcast was, like, really good, really humbling. Um, obviously, it talked about, like, y- your story and stuff, and obviously also having Chris on as well, which was great, and, you know, Chris did a lot of promotion in regards to that on his Instagram and Twitter from what I saw. Um, but, no, um, the- these podcasts where, we're, you know, we're talking about, like, serious matters, such as, you know, gambling, betting and sport, um, mental health, mental well-being, um, yeah. you dementia. know, dementia, yeah, like, just uh, rushed on, yeah, yeah, our analytics for that, like, they, they look really good, and it's good that we are touching on those kind of matters as well. So, obviously, just uh, off the back of what Stephen's just said, there, just want to obviously talk about that, which was great. So, you know, the feedback that we've had is is fantastic. So, really appreciate it from everyone who's listened to that one. Um, but Ant, you wanted to, yeah, well, we wanted to have a chat about Nuno out, Conti in, Emery, yeah. Uh, I just want, want to very, very quickly, just off the bat of that gambling one, because what I want to bring up, I want to have a bit of a rant, if that's all right, Gary. Because um, I was going to make this my ball lick of the week, but it's not really classed in as sport as such. So I'm going to like kind of have a rant at Sky Vegas um, today, because I know um, Chris had put on his Twitter today, and I had received the same email. Now, me and Chris are both recovering gambling addicts, and Chris... Um, is banned is banned himself from online, and I've also banned myself from online. Now, me and Chris have both received today the same email from Sky Vegas trying to get us to sign up. Like, I think it's obviously it's sent everybody. You know, it's it's not just they're not just picked out. You know, myself and Chris. You know, like, but this is too, and this could be to a lot more people who are in a lot of trouble and people who are, you know, are struggling at the minute and people who are, bought, you know, still who aren't bad at work or, you know, aren't employed or whatever. Now, for two people who are, are, are gambling recoverers and for, for being banned from everything online, why on earth are Sky Vegas sending emails like that? You know, it, it doesn't matter how many people have sent that to, you know, because that immediately is going to get I'm saying for this is on my personal that immediately brings all that shite that I spoke about two weeks ago brings all that back you know brings all that regret back all that you know guilt back and for me a big big company such as Sky really should be regulating how they're distributing emails like that and I know that we we just we, you know we we discussed that obviously the um, on the television and stuff like that which yeah you know that does but. When you're receiving an email like that, pretty much saying, you know, come and sign up, come and sign up, you know, for me, it was absolutely ridiculous. And I think, you know, Sky as a, 
as a company they really need to take a big look at themselves because you know let, I'm, I'm just going to say this that did today have a detrimental effect on me today so you know for me i think that's absolutely ridiculous so um i'm not i mean i'm i'm banned from sky bet anyway before i'd um before i'd gone into uh, gamstock i was self-banned from sky bet anyway so they shouldn't be sending stuff out to me anyway because they know that i'm banned yeah. from their site so i think that's absolutely ridiculous and they really should take a look at themselves and that's that's me rant over my but it's just something i needed to get off my chest no and that's uh that's definitely fair i mean i did i didn't know that because i haven't been on social media really a day um yeah i have pretty... tweeted about it and um i know chris has tweeted about it because i retweeted his, his his tweet but um like i say it's just it's just one of them things where they say that you know these companies say that they care but they don't you know, all they want is the next person in, you know, and it's, for me, it's just, it's just wrong and it needs, it needs sorting out. Um, so like I said, I don't want to go too much into it. I just needed to get that off my chest and this podcast is, is, is for that, isn't it? It's for us to, you know, vent our feelings at some no, point. So, um, yeah, that's a, a big, a big rant from me, but I think they should take a deep, deep look at themselves. No, definitely feed it back, mate. Feed it back. I mean, at the end of the day, that we use this podcast as a totally unfiltered forum. So, I think you're totally within your rights what you're saying. And obviously, like I say, I've not seen it because I've not been on social media. But it's not, you know, it it can be very detrimental to not just yourself, but obviously a lot, a lot of other people who may have received the same same email. I mean, obviously, when we finish the pod, I'm gonna go and have a look at it now and see what what's going on with it. Like, but um, I uh, wait. Thanks for sharing uh, the rant. I mean, that's what that's <laughs> what we're here for. Like, um, I will we'll we'll have a little bit of a football chatter now, mate. Uh, like I say, Nuno out, Conte in, Emery imminent. Yep. What what's your thoughts? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about Nuno first. I think you know Johnny hit the nail on the head, didn't he? When uh, when Johnny was on when we did the review, Johnny said he wouldn't last four months, and he hasn't. You know, listen, Nuno was, wasn't Spurs' first choice. He wasn't Spurs' second choice. I don't even think he was in the top five, you know, to be honest. I think he was just a manager who became available and they wanted him, to, you know, maybe to have a seat on a stock gap kind of thing. And it hasn't worked. It, it hasn't worked at all. But Nuno doesn't play the football that Spurs want to see their team play. So, you know, he's very defensive. And he, he, he worked, it worked well at Wolves and he did a hell of a job at Wolves. And I'm not, you know... I'm not dissing Nuno as a, as a as a manager. I think he's a, he's a very good manager. I think the job at Tottenham, who were you know one of the so-called superpowers in in uh, in the English football, was far too big for him anyway. You know he needed a, he needed another job. You know yeah, fine. He said he could take Wolves as far as as far as he's as far as he could. So he so he's left, and that's fair play to him. But you look at Wolves now without him, and Wolves are are really on a good run. So Wolves aren't particularly missing him. Um, so you know, like I say, a great job at Wolves. It got them st- st- stabilised in the Premier League with the help of a lot of money, may I add. But then he's gone to Spurs. Spurs have said he's you know he hasn't got. I don't think he's got much money to spend or whatever because Spurs have made a lot of debt with the stadium. But I watched them on now, and I watched them quite recently. I thought they were alright against Newcastle, but that might have been because Newcastle were, were bad. Um, I thought Spurs were alright, but. I watched them on Saturday night and listen, this is against a team like Man United who were so fragile at the minute. So fragile at the back as well. You know, they conceded, you know, a five against Liverpool. They've conceded, you know, two against Atlanta the week before. And Tottenham never had a shot on target. And for me, that was just, 
It was that awful. Was you know, they were absolutely awful. And this is this is a team who's got world class players like Harry Kane and you know Min Song playing for them. You know, they shouldn't be, you know, just lying down and getting the bellies tickled. So I think it's the right I think it was the right decision for him to go. Um I think I don't think he's he's finished in English football. I think there is a job for him somewhere. Um as far as Conte coming in, it's it's a very interesting appointment. You know, I think Spurs will all I think immediately he'll get them fitter, you know, and he'll get them, you know, more energetic and he'll get them running for every ball. And he'll not stand for, you know, the Tottenham players who have given up. You know, there are players on on that on that Tottenham side who, who aren't playing for the shirt, you know, they're just meandering on. I'll include Harry Kane in that, to be honest. Harry Kane doesn't want to be there and Conte won't stand for that. You know, it, I don't think he will... He, he hasn't got the... He's got the ego, sorry. If Harry Kane isn't putting the effort in, then he won't play. And, you know, you've seen Conte do that with a lot of players. You know, I know he fell out with Ronaldo. Didn't, uh, Ronaldo didn't want him coming back to Juventus or something like that. So, you know, he's he's got this kind of um, reputation for, for not taking any shit. And I think that's what needs to happen at Spurs. Spurs need somebody who, who's going to come in and kind of get them by the scruff of the necks a little bit and say, look, you know, you, you, you're lucky to be playing for such a big club. Um, I know we're going in, we're going to be going into this um, quite a lot next week because uh, we've got three Tottenham fans on. Um, but for me, I think what they, sh- what they should be doing is now, I think Daniel Levy needs to put his hand in his pocket and give Conte and the money that they need and that, and that might have to be selling Harry Kane you know to, to, to bring that money in but they need to give Conte a, a bit of trust and let him do what he needs to do with that club because uh, the minute they're just they're, they're a depressed club at the minute and um, that needs to change I think you know because I don't think I don't think they're a bad side on paper but Christ they were, they were, they've been awful all season you know I think personally they need a rebuild like I mean for me when I saw the the first thing that like was an absolute massive red flag with Nuno was the Ndombele crack. So he said he mm-hmm. was never going to play Ndombele. He didn't have a place in the team. Didn't obviously get sold in the August transfer window, September August transfer window. Sorry. Then all of a sudden was playing every week. I thought, mm-hmm. well, what's going on there? Has someone said, well, you need to play him because he's our record signing. You know, he's on a most like a very hefty wage. So what was going on there? So to me. I thought maybe decisions are taken out of Nuno's hands. And, you know, much like you said you said there, I don't think Nuno is a bad manager. I think he's actually a really good manager. I just think maybe he wasn't ready for the Tottenham job or there's more mitigating circumstances that are going on at Tottenham. You saw at the weekend, he brought off Lucas Moura, which I thought was a very strange decision considering Lucas Moura mm. is one of their most creative midfielders. And the substitution was booed. I can see why it was booed, but at the same time, you know, you kind of got to get behind the team. Um, it was a very odd decision, but you know I'm gonna quote um the four three three podcast uh football, um, in regards to the Instagram post which I put put out yesterday when Nuno had been sacked, um four three three podcast football came back and said not sure if it's the manager, three high levels of managers can't get the best out of these players must be the players. What do you think mm-hmm. of that? I think it's a very very good point. Um. Because look at like you look at Mourinho and Mourinho's done it everywhere he's been, doesn't he? I mean, I'm not a fan of the the footballer who was in Mourinho's churned out over the years, to be honest. But it's got the job done, you know. And um, he's won trophies everywhere he's been. Uh, you know, he's won trophies in every country he's been. You know what I mean? So for that not to work, 
because I thought that was a match made in heaven, actually. But then, pardon me, and then like, obviously with... Um, it's going to call back, and I know we... Well, we never fell out about this guy, but we had different opinions about it. Spurs made the bigger... The big cop-up Spurs did was second Pochettino. Because Pochettino wasn't particularly doing a bad job. They went on a bad run. But he wasn't doing a bad job. And he had them playing the football that the fans wanted to see. So, and, and you know, Pochettino's gone on to, you know, manage PSG. And, and Pochettino will come back to England and probably manage a very good side. You know, I can see him being, you know, successor for Pep whenever Pep wants to move on or something like that. Now, for Spurs to have that, to get rid of him, and then they've got Mourinho in and they've got Nuno in or whatever, and it hasn't changed. You know, they haven't got any higher. They haven't won anything. You know, the closest they, they got was the League Cup final. That was under Ryan Mason, and they were absolutely shambolic last season. So, like, what what do they want? Like, what does what do these what do the hierarchy and Spurs want? You know, do they want them to play attractive football? Then, yeah, right, okay. So, sign a manager who's going to play attractive football, with, which Conte will. You know, and that this this probably what what's um, not to sign Conte, but then like, why have they replaced Mourinho, who was a defensive base manager, with Nuno, who was a defensive base manager? You know, so you know, I think they've made. The decisions have been wrong from the top all the way down, you know, and and I, I honestly think Nuno couldn't have done much more with what he's got because he wasn't backed. Yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement with you, and obviously going briefly on the potch there. I mean, we did have different opinions in regards to that. My opinion of that was that I felt personally he'd gone stale. He'd done as much as he could do. Maybe you know they needed a change, and ultimately what happened is is that the parted ways with him you kind of discount the fact he got to the champions league final with spurs i mean that's unheard yeah, of yeah you kind of i'm not discounting that what whatsoever that's brilliant um i just felt that maybe the team under potch it went stale in my honest opinion and needed a refresh and you know i thought jose was a good appointment but you know cracks started the show and if you watch the the tottenham all and often documentary on amazon you could see those cracks showing i mean the fallout he had out with uh, had with danny rose um, he turned around and said Deli Ali's a lazy shit on the training field. You know, there's been cracks in Spurs for, for quite a while. Conte isn't going to take that kind of shit. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if players aren't going to pull the weight, he's, he's going to get rid of them. Um, the reason they've given him an 18 month contract is because is he's such an intense manager. He doesn't want to stick around more than two seasons. But I do, I think he's the right appointment for them to get them where it they need to be. a question yes, for, for you, Gary, as well. And, and this is for, for, for probably everyone as well. It's probably a good question to, to ask. Um, the guys have gone next week. Now, here's the thing with Deli Ali. If Deli is a lazy bastard or whatever it is they're calling them off the pitch, why hasn't he been sold? You know what I mean? Deli Ali would, would go would walk into probably seventy percent of the, the, the English the England sides in the Premier League. He'd probably go abroad and play for a good team abroad. So why haven't they sold him? You know, if Deli Ali's not putting the effort in, why haven't they just said, Right, we'll cash in on you? You know, why was Harry Kane not sold? Yeah. But Mario Harry Kane in, in 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 April of this year, this is before the Euros, said he wants to leave. So why, why, why are they trying to convince him otherwise? You know, why do they have to say right? Look, this is a guy who's probably going to get get us a hundred million quid. We can replace him with three or four players with a hundred million quid. It's a lot, and, and and you can tell. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, question Harry Kane's professionalism because he's he is a professional. You know, he, he he does carry himself with a lot of professionalism. But something is happening in Harry Kane on the pitch, 
where he isn't doing, he isn't running as much as what he used to do. He's certainly not scoring as many goals as he used to, you know, compared to even last season. You know, why aren't they here when he signed, when he said he was going to, to sign a new contract or whatever, or said he wanted to stay? Why haven't the board players to accommodate him better? Or why haven't they sold him? And the same goes with Deli Ali. The same goes with um, Le Celso, who doesn't try. You know, why haven't they? Why is um, Rodon not playing? Who's probably their best defender? He's not playing. And what's happened um, in the midfield as well? The midfield last year, they were so like, so like rock solid. And but they're even letting players run past them. Um, you know, Hoiberg, for instance, Hoiberg was probably the signing of the season last year, and he's been rubbish this season. I think Hoiberg's been all right, personally. I mean, mm. I think he's the, he's he's not been like as good as he was last season, but I think that's because of his partnership with Ndombele. Um, mm. I think they're two totally different midfielders, and then if you bring Lo Celso into the mix again, a totally totally different midfielder. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Deli Ali, though, like I don't think personally Deli Ali's a bad player, but we don't necessarily see what goes on in the training ground or how he conducts himself around the football club when off the training ground. Um, yeah. Which is a strange one. I do think Spurs... I mean, we'll talk about this next week when we've got Spurs fans on, but I don't think... I think Spurs are in need of a, a massive rebuild, in my honest opinion. I think, you know, Loris is coming probably to the end of his career. Um, I don't think anything of Emerson Royale. Um, don't think... I don't know why he's being bought. Matt Doherty, again, a right back out into obscurity. Um you know, they've got so many fringe players who aren't even getting a game who they could cash in on and build a team around a Hoiming Son or a Harry Kane. But if you want my honest opinion, I think Harry Kane's gone in January and I think, you know, there could be some kind of faith put in Troy Parrott and Dane Scarlett um, because, yeah. you know, they're going to be the up-and-comers for them. Granted, they need a forward and they're looking at Lerato Martinez, I think, um, which Conti has a very good relationship with. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting and I'll... As much as Conti loves Harry Kane, he said in 2017, if you could have any forward, it'd be Harry Kane. He predicted he'd be a 100 million striker, and he was right. Mm. But if Harry Kane doesn't want to be there, ultimately he's got to let him go. The only team I can see Harry Kane going to is City. Because City need a striker. You know, City have come... Not, I'm not saying they've fallen off the rails or anything like that, but because they're still, you know, well in in the, in the Premier League. But City on, on Saturday lost... Um, because never a striker, you know. Basically, they, they need a centre forward, and um, I think they got beat in the league cup didn't they, during the week where they, they were playing. They've been playing with obviously been playing with false nines and whatever. Harry Kane, if he goes to City, guarantees City twenty goals, even even in six months. You know, I would say he would guarantee them twenty goals in all competitions. So that's the only place I can see him going. I think Conte will will try move heaven on earth to make him stay now. The thing is, how many goals Harry Kane's going to score from now until January? I think will kind of, you know, go into, he'll kind of make his mind up whether he enjoys the kind of style of football and like that. But I can't see him going anywhere else but City, um, and I don't think anyone else will want him. To be honest, you know, like they've missed the Portman out. Manu, Manu have got Ronaldo in now. Chelsea have got um, Lukaku in now, so they don't want him. They won't need him. You know, he's not going to go Arsenal, is he? You know, let's, let's let's be honest. He's not going to sign for Arsenal. Liverpool don't need him. You know, they've got Firmino. You know, they've got Firmino and Jota who will probably work better in in that Liverpool system. So, bar abroad, and there's probably not many teams are going to be able to afford him. There's only C. You know, that that that's it really. So it's it's a difficult one. But for me, they should have been looking at getting him out. You know, once he'd said in April, 
look, I want to go. This should have just been right. Yeah, it's fine. You know, but, but I mean, what I know that's so difficult because they're losing their the top scorer and and the talisman and all that. But you know, it's it's a position where whoever would have come in to replace him would have had a good chance of getting as many goals because of of the work rate Son and Moira do. So I don't know. I think it's strange, but we'll we'll go into it more next week. So I really can't wait for that chat because I think there's going to be a lot of difference of opinions. So I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I'll just say one thing on that. I think Harry Kane's next move is going to be something we're not going to see coming. I don't think it's City. I think they'll go for Haaland. Um, but yeah. We'll, we'll... So where so where is he going to go? Then if I'm if I put you on the spot now, who who where would he go? You know, because he's not going to like I say, he's not going to go Man U. He's not going to go Liverpool. So if he if he's wanting to leave Tottenham for a better, for a you know a Champions League team because that's that's what he wants to do wants to win the Champions League, name me a team there that he is going to be able to afford and B is going to be able to afford his wages, and see he's going to want to go to. There's uh, only I Man City. He, I think he might go abroad. I really think he might go abroad. I think mm-hmm. you know he could potentially go to Bayern. You know I think that would. But be... they've got Le- they've got Lewandowski, so they don't need him. They might look for competition, but even then they've got Musiala as well. Um, Musiala's the future for Bayern. I, I just I don't I see his next move being one that no one saw coming. I can't really say who I think it is. Um, you know, it could even be PSG really, but of Real Madrid even. But I don't. I really think City will go for Haaland. I really do. I think. No, I, I actually league. agree with that. I agree with that. But I'm saying like, I'm saying. Like kind of for Harry Kane now, the only move that would make sense in in a football in a football way and in Harry Kane way would be City because that's the only one really who where he's gonna where where it's a bigger move for him. It's a bigger club, you know what I mean? Like City are a bigger club than Tottenham, but like you know, I love it. Like Barca can't afford him, Real can't afford him, PSG. I don't think he'll go there. I don't think they would want him. There's that team so, up the North East that could potentially afford him, though. But he's not going to go there, is he? Because he's not going to be playing Champions League football, so he's not going to go there. He's not going to go to Newcastle. That all, won't happen. That, that's impossible. That, not impossible, but yeah. that's very, very unlikely because he wants to play European football. Even if he goes there, he's still probably two years away from playing European football. I agree so with that. It depends how much money the fraud and though if that is yeah. to be the case. I mean, they need to make a statement of intent given where they are currently in the league, um, which will obviously will go on to that as well. Obviously, they're looking to get Emery in now, so mm-hmm. um, that's looking imminent. I mean, we had this discussion with Simon earlier today um about Emery obviously there was you know I wouldn't say there was different opinions there was very diverse opinions you know Simon big fan of Emery coming in you know you, you said he hasn't like he, he's he's a good manager but you know he's not as good as Simon was making out and I said he hasn't really done anything overseas he's done all of his work in the Spanish leagues um if Emery comes in do you think he's the man that's going to get them out of the relegation zone and get them a little bit further up the league that's the question um this and this is this is and, and this is not just saying this because I'm a Sunderland supporter, but I've, I watched a lot of the Newcastle Chelsea game on on Saturday, and, and this Newcastle season is going to be fi- defined by getting beat three and a half Chelsea. But Newcastle don't look as if they're going to score many goals this season, and they look as if they're going to concede a lot of goals this season. Now, what Emery will do is show that defensive because he is he, again he's a defensive based manager, which it's probably why. He, why Arsenal fans didn't take him because Arsenal are the same, we're in the same mould as Spurs, where 
Arsenal like to see attractive free flow football like what Arsene Wenger did. You know, you look at um you look at having Ackman when we have Ackman on, you know, Ackman was such a fan of, of his football and that's what Arteta's trying to do. And to be fair with Arteta, it's now kind of turned. It, it has is. turned, you know, Arsenal are on a really, really good run. Um Listen, for a statement of intent by the new owners of Newcastle, I think it's an excellent appointment. You know, I think it's a it, it's a big name, which is what they wanted. I think it might be a year too early, and and and, and the reason why I say that for is, Unai Emery has never been involved in a relegation dogfight because he's been too good of a manager in 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 Italy, and obviously he's got a pastry job. He's never had a club where he has. So he's been used to having very, very good players already at his disposal, where at Newcastle he hasn't got that. He's got, you know, Sam Maximum is a very, very good player. Callum Wilson's a very, very good player. Then you struggle. You know, like, you know, Almiron is okay. But the defence the defence is what they need to do. And what he needs to do is the the main thing for Newcastle this season will be to stay up. The six points adrift already. They've got a very, very difficult run until January. Now, I know what Neil said a couple of weeks ago, and Newcastle will throw money at it. But that's no guarantee that if a sign, say, five or six players, you're basically using January as a pre-season to try and gel this team again. And I think that's a massive, massive risk to that's do that. 50-50 if that'll ever work. I'm in agreement with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, long term, if he can keep them up, I think he'll get them to where they need to be. So whatever the, the you know, because if you look at it in in phases, you know, like like what City have done, the first phase will be to get somebody in who will stabilise Newcastle as a Premier League side. You know, aim for the top ten, and if they can stay up this year, I would have firm belief Unai Emery will be that man. And then obviously he'll hand over the ring where they'll look for a level above manager, you know, a top class manager, as in, you know, what what City have done with Pep. But City had to go through obviously Roberto Mancini who 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 won them the league. You know, so so it goes from stage to stage to stage, you know, but they went through, you know, like Mark Hughes, Pellegrini, you know, um, you know, players that uh, managers like that who, you know, kept on, you know, getting them to getting them to the point where they needed to be, and then Gladiola took over and now they're one of the best teams in the world. You know, because Guardiola's brought in the best players, the best coaches, the best everything. They've probably got the best chef in the world, you know what I mean? And that's what Newcastle need to aim to be doing. And, you know, they've got all the money to do it, but they need to employ the right people. Now, for a Newcastle fan to have Emery coming in, they've got every right to be excited, you know what I mean? Because he is a good, good manager. Whether he can do it abroad is the question because obviously his win ratio for PSG was brilliant but you know you could you could have put you could have put me or you in that and, and we would have won probably the same amount of games because they had the best team by a country mile and and um in Liga and in Liga isn't the best of leagues anyway. You know, there's all there's only two or three good sides. So it'll be interesting. I think it's a massive statement of intent. I think if he can kick them up, then he will you know, I don't think we'll ever talk about Newcastle being a relegation threatened side again. But it's a massive, up. massive ask for whoever comes in, Gary. It's a huge ask because they are not a good side and they are struggling. And you know, it, it does. And, and, and you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of our mates who, who listen to us go, "Well, you need to talk even League One." But you listen, I'm being, I'm being truthful here. You know what I mean? I'm being honest. And I'm giving an opinion that, in my opinion, a team who's in November now and hasn't won a game 
very, very rarely stays up. You know, and, and that's that's the truth there. You know, there's only probably West Brom, uh, Sunderland when um, when Allardyce eventually took over. I don't think we'd won until November, and then Allardyce took over. And Allardyce did what he did. Now, if I was in Newcastle, if I was if I was the owners of Newcastle, which you know, listen, they're a lot more clever than me, but I would be looking at maybe a stopgap for this season to get them up, and then go for someone like Unai Emery. But listen. As a statement of intent, it's it's a massive statement of intent for them, and um, yeah, he is a good choice. But you know, it's um, it's whether it's the right time for him, if you know what I mean by that. No, I know what you're saying. I mean, I I'm a fan of Emery. I do think he's a good manager. He, you know, he he has the the man management skills and the motivation to get teams to you know finals in cups, which he has done. That he's got a proven track record of that. He's done it with Villarreal last season. Um, relegation battle is a totally different battle and we discussed this today you know you, you when you're at the bottom of the league it's a different story you know you, you just want to get out of that bottom three rather than get in the top six to try and you know make some more money um, for the club I think Emery will be a good appointment it's going to be difficult because that team totally impart I'm going to be totally impartial it, it's not a great team. The majority of players who played on Saturday were players who were playing in the Championship under Rafa Benitez and they got demolished by Chelsea. But I think that's mm-hmm. because, in my opinion, at the moment, Tuchel's playing the best attacking football in the world. Uh, you know, their possession rate and how they keep the ball, you know, that absolutely demolished them. And if you have Graham Jones in that dugout on, on Saturday when they play Brighton, that's not going to be good for Newcastle even having Unai Emery in that dugout playing Brighton the way they're playing is going to be a difficult game see, see that yeah exactly I mean and, and Unai Emery's only going to have safe safe say obviously he's in charge of Villarreal tonight but see if he gets you know, he gets announced tomorrow so he's going to be in the dugout on Saturday that's two days he's going to have to work with work with the side and sure of a defence and they're going to a team who are on fire at the minute you know yeah they got beat off C but you know that can happen. That can happen. That will happen to a lot of teams. You know what I mean? Because City were excellent. Um, draw against Liverpool. This, they came back. But this, yeah, exactly. This is a team who fought back from two 0 down against Liverpool and got a draw. Black uh, Blackburn Brighton on Saturday will be heavy, heavy favourites to beat Newcastle. And then if you look at Newcastle's run before January, there's not many winnable games there. You know, there's like, I think they've got Norwich at some point. Now, you've got to be looking to beat Norwich. Could be looking, you know, beat the sides around. That's what they're going to have to do, beat the sides around them. But they haven't been able to do that in, in, in you know, the three, first three months of the season. They haven't won a game. You know, so like, where is this win going to come from? And will Emery be able to do something with this limited team, you know, limited group of players, and I'm not being horrible because they are, they're, they're a championship side. Is he going to be able to get, you know, what, you're looking at maybe 10 points, maybe 10 points until January to keep in touch, you know, because that would be, you know, the six points behind, which is technically seven because the goal difference is, isn't as good, you know, so, but, you know, if you win games, your goal difference gets better. But, um, for yeah, well, me, one question I want to ask you, and about mm-hmm. Emery. I mean, you touched on that, you know, they're playing in the Champions League tonight. Why would Emery leave a Champions League team to go and take control of 19th place Newcastle? Why Why would he? Yeah. Would he? <laughs> but what, would, what else would be a mitigating factor to, to do that? I mean, you know, listen, the, the listen, guy's... Listen, mate. Listen, he's... 
he's going to be getting paid. He will be get outside of Chelsea, Man United, and probably I would probably want to go Man United. Outside of Chelsea, Man City, and Liverpool, he will be the highest paid manager in the country. So that's why he's gone. And obviously, I mean, come on. I mean, if he manages, if he does keep them up, he's got. 400 400 and odd billion quid possible to his disposal you know he's going to be able to you know of of course and it'll be a challenge for him you know and he's probably going to be um he's going to want you know he's going to be interested in this challenge because you know this this project is a great project you know what i mean and barring what we think about it you know about the money and this that and the other and saudi saudi problems in it this is a huge project for any manager, you know, because he's he, this is a chance to to become a hero and uh, to to finish unfinished business, especially what Emery's got in in England, because obviously he's he's seen as a flop at Arsenal, so you know, and he can always go back to Spain, you know, if it doesn't work, he can always just go back to Spain because a team in Spain will take him, you know, um, uh, but it, it it's money, you know, it's 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 money. Ah, fair enough. Well, well, we'll see what happens over the next coming days and see if they have Emery in the dugout. I mean, Fonsenka's completely dis- disappeared off the face of the earth from what I've heard, but um, it's an interesting one. Hopefully, you know, that. well, I'm hoping for their sakes they make the right appointment because if they get cut further adrift, um, I do not see their season going well, but that's just me. But anyway, mate, we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll move on to baller and baller, your favourite feature of the week, mate. Well, I, I want to start with your baller, mate. Um, it's hard because Stephen Nick, my baller, it uh, was Josh Butler. Um, but I am going to go for Graham Potter for the second half. That well, to be fair, it was it was it was the first first half and the second half to be honest. But Graham Potter for his. For his tactics of, they're still two 0 down, and he still tried to attack Liverpool, and I like that. You know, they didn't just go into the shells and damage limitation. He went for it, and he got his rewards. You know, and I, I, I personally think Graham Potter is one of the best young managers in the world at the minute, and I think Graham Potter will be a top four manager in in the years to come. So I'm gonna go Graham Potter. I, I would agree with that. I'm a big fan of Graham Potter. You know, like. Um... Takes a lot of resilience to come back and you know get a draw with with Liverpool and you know like on paper you know the team doesn't have a lot of world beating players where you look and go he's a good player he's a good player he's a good player it's certain players who he's took and he's kind of molded into his own style you know the goalkeeper Robert Sanchez for one you know like Matt Ryan came with a massive reputation from Valencia massive wage he loaned him out to Arsenal and give Robert Sanchez a chance and Robert Sanchez has made the number one jersey his own you look at players as well like at the back like Lewis Stunk you, you said you're a massive fan of Lewis Stunk um, yeah. you know like very resilient player Dan Burton very re- resilient player Yves Basuma a very good player um, that uh, M. Wok Amepu he, he scored a brilliant goal um, you know, all the team has contributed, big contributing factors, and how can I not? How can I forget Neil Maltby as well? I mean, he's been a brilliant player. He came from the lower leagues as well. Um, totally in agreement with Graham Potter. I mean, I just hope he doesn't go by way of getting that top job too soon, gets sacked, then goes back into mid-table obscurity. I hope that doesn't happen to him because I think he deserves a lot better than that. And you know, he, he's a British manager as well, and that's what we need. Potential England manager, maybe. Yeah, definitely long term. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, definitely long term. Yeah, I mean, my baller is 
is a guy who I just think deserves to be the the ball of the week for myself. You know, he, he's documented that he's had battles with his mental well-being and now he's making a comeback, you know. Um, I think you spoke with Joss Butler because I think you know who I'm going to be on about. Um, spoke with Joss Butler. Stokesy. Stokesy, and uh, you know, Joss Butler said, you know, he's got, he's got a like, you know, a smile in his step. You can tell when he talked to him, he's he's happy, he's raring to go. You know, whatever his mental demons were, coming back from that, you know, wanting to play the sport which he loves, having to take a sabbatical from it, you know, like it it takes it takes a big man to do that. We don't know what his mental battles were. Um, fair play to him, you know, like he, he's making his comeback and hopefully he comes back you know, better, stronger than, than he ever was. And that's that's coming from a person who's not a cricket fan and don't don't really know much about him. Um, but fair play to him, best of luck to him. Yeah, I, I think that's a great show, mate. Aye. Um, what about Ball 8, mate? Uh, Nuno. Um, it's only one for me, Nuno. Uh, you know, he's the second shortest reign manager in Premier League history. So, you know, I, I like I say, I like with Perry's, I think it was doomed from the start. But, um, yeah, I mean, where does he go from here? Where does Tottenham go from here? But, you know, for, for, for a lad to leave Wolves and probably, you know, really a stable job at Wolves. But then you look at Wolves and Wolves are probably a better team. So, uh, Bruno Lodge done a good yeah, job there, to see where he goes next. Right, Bruno Lodge done a good job there, to be fair. I mean, he has, he's done very well. And he, they, didn't start, they didn't start very well, mate. They didn't start well at all, so... Right, and they lost Ruth Patricio to Roma, who was, you know, a stalwart goalkeeper. And they got Jose Sain, and he made a brilliant save against Everton yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. Quite a solid goalkeeper. Looked quite solid at the back in the formation that they play. Uh, fair play to them, like, fair play. I mean, it's, it's sad for Nuno. Uh, he'll get another job. Um, he's most likely not finished in the Premier League, but I do see his career maybe in the Spanish League for the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah. See what happens, but... Uh, I've got my ball ache, mate, and my ball ache is just quite simply garage band for for losing last week's podcast, like, um, which is a pain in the arse. Uh, I suppose you could probably include me in it, considering I edit it, but it, it is what it is. I mean, we'll re-record that one with Amy next next week or the week after, I think. So. Yeah, we've got Amy in um, a week on Sunday. Yeah, so that's uh, that's like my apology in regards to losing that recording, which is weird because the recording's actually there. They're just the actual voice is not there, and I don't know why that's happened because it was originally there. Um, but I pain in the arse for me that like, but. Um, I, as always, mate. Um, another episode of What a Ball Lake podcast recorded. We'll be back with. You said you've got a couple of Spurs fans coming on, yeah. Three next week, yeah. Three. Yeah. Sorry. I put a tweet out today, and, and um, to be fair, Kirst, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for putting us in touch. And obviously, Kirst's going to come on as well. But um, she was amazing. Literally, just like spread it around, and, and we got people in. So thanks so much for that. And um, yeah, obviously, very very quickly for me, everyone who's got in touch. Um, about the gambling one, um, you know, I have had a lot of, you know, I've had a fair bit of messages, and everyone who has got in touch to send their well wishes, I thoroughly appreciate it, and uh, thank you so much for everyone, everyone who's done that, and uh, it wasn't the easiest thing to do, um, but yeah, just cheers, guys, and we'll uh, we'll see you, we'll see you next week, um, and and again to echo what Gary said, apologies for the, because uh, we did we didn't really advertise Amy a lot, and Amy was brilliant, so hopefully it's just as good next week. I'm sure it will be. I'm positive it will be as well, and uh, <laughs> and I'm guessing we've scored, judging by your reaction. No, right no, now. no, something else. I'll tell you off. I'll tell you off here. Oh, fair one, fair I'll one. I've got a great I'll name as well, later, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, I've got a great name as well for next week's podcast: the Spurs Roundtable. That's what I'm calling it. Oh, 
I was thinking what the hot spur, but I think it's a podcast game, so we're a bit fucked. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> right. investigate See that. See you later, guys. All the best. All See you there. See you. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.